0: Welcome to Citizen Talk, the show that's restoring prudence to politics. I'm Juan Davanos.
1: And I'm Lynette Grunvig, and this is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7FM. And you can also hear us on SoundCloud or iTunes, just search one word Citizen Talk.
0: And as you can see or hear, uh, we're still not in our studio uh, because we continue to be on uh, lockdown because of this virus that's going across the world, and uh, even though it's a terrible Thing. You know, I've enjoyed staying a little bit at home, but I'm, I think, I think I'm, I'm getting a little antsy and I'm starting to get ready to, to get back into it. Uh, we have an awesome show coming up today because um, we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, Helen Raleigh um, is uh, a senior contributor uh, to The Federalist. Uh, she's actually an immigrant from China and she's the uh, owner of Red Meadow Advisors, an LLC and an immigration policy fellow at the Centennial Institute in Colorado. Uh, She is the author of several books, including, and I love the title of this one, Confucius Never Said, (laughs) and uh, The Broken Welcome Mat. Uh, She's also a contributor to Fox News, and most recently also the National Review. Uh, And you can follow her on Twitter at H Raleigh, that's R-A-L-E-I-G-H Speaks, H Raleigh Speaks, or check uh, out her website at Uh Welcome uh, welcome to our show, uh, Miss Raleigh.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: And so uh, you recently wrote an article uh, for The Federalist, which Lynette and I both mm-hmm. uh, really liked, uh, really enjoyed reading uh-huh. it. Uh, and so we wanted to talk, uh, about that specifically, if we can start with that, and then we'll, we'll move in a little bit. But uh, the title of the article, if people want to look it up, is Coronavirus Exposes Another Chinese Scandal, and that is a rampant corporate fraud. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what, what's going on with, with corporate fraud in China.
2: Well, corporate fraud is always the issue with uh, Chinese corporations. Uh, but with the coronavirus, uh, just last week alone, there are two NASDAQ listed uh, China based firms announced that they have, they discovered a massive accounting fraud in their books. And there's a running, basically there's a running joke about the Chinese firms that they already have three accounting books. You know, one for the one for the regulators, one for the investors, one for themselves, and only the one for themselves actually contain the true information. Okay. So this is not a new problem. But as you know, in the last three decades, China experienced explosive economic growth. In a growing environment, it's much easier to hide those those problems. But now with the coronavirus, China experienced the 2 months shutdown, uh, lockdown, just just like we are experiencing right now. And uh, the economy is being devastated in China. So with a devastating economy, that is much more difficult to hide the corporate fraud. And so those issues are now resurfacing and it's became a new wave. So it's, it seems like this is an unexpected uh, unintended consequence of this outbreak. Now we see more corporate fraud from China.
1: Interesting. So a lot of articles I've been reading, of course, say partly because China got hit by this before the United States and partly because we haven't handled coronavirus very well in the United States, they expect China to come ahead of the United States and maybe for the global order to shift and the U.S. to have a lot less influence and China to have a lot more influence. But it sounds like what you're saying is maybe there are some fundamental structural problems that are coming out of this that might cause problems for China in the future.
2: Definitely. I think I think it's China's intention to come out this outbreak as a winner. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see as the peak of the Pandemic is now shifting in China. Now there is a accelerated PR wars from China. They're starting a disinformation campaign. Their foreign spokesperson are very aggressive on Twitter, and they they are sending a you know uh, masks and uh, medical equipment to other countries. They are trying really trying to turn this whole scandal of a uh, outbreak that they didn't. You know, control didn't contain early on. They really try to turn this scandal into opportunity to uh, grab the global leadership. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't think I don't think you know. Yes, America started responding a little slower in certain you know in certain instances. But I don't think China will win this PR war simply because there are so many issues, like you mentioned. Not only there are issues with a structure, economic structure problems in China, there are also a trust deficit. Uh, the Chinese government has trusted deficit, both with their domestic audience, as well as international audience. Another article I wrote was, um, you know, China now trying to send all the medical equipments related to coronavirus to international, uh, to other countries. But okay. there are so many quality problems. You know, the masks do not fit, the test, their test kits has very low you know, accuracy reads. None of this enhance their reputation. They actually do more damage than what the Chinese government wants.
0: Interesting. Did you have any sense of what is going on in China itself? Both, uh, I guess I'm I'm interested in, in two different things. One, as far as the virus, because officially, mm-hmm. you know, they're saying there are no new cases of the virus. We have this uh, completely under control, um, which seems a, a ludicrous claim. Uh, so in terms of that, and also I, I have seen a lot of reports of uh, people protesting and, and things like that. So a, a little bit of unrest, maybe, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how true those reports are. Do you have any sense of those things going on in the country?
2: Right. So for your first question about the, there's no new reports of. There's no reports of no new cases. Actually, China stopped reporting. Any new cases, since March March 10th, the date the data was significant because that's the date when uh, the Communist Party Secretary Xi Jinping, which is the Supreme Leader of China, visited Wuhan, the uh, epic center of the virus. Basically, by visiting there, he's sending a message that this is the day. Okay. It doesn't matter. It's imaginary or real. This has to be the day turnaround day that China has to get better. So you. So from that day on, if you read the Chinese state media, it's all positive reporting about everything under control. They stop reporting new cases. But as we know, those numbers, their official statistics, is very unreliable because even just recently, the South China Morning Post reported that um, the way they counted positive cases is different from any other countries. Is It's even different from the WHO's, you know, World Health Organization's definition. In any other countries, if you test the positive, you are counted as a positive case. But in China, until most recently, if you test the positive for coronavirus, but if you show no symptom, they didn't count you. So there's a lot of, yeah, so their numbers is highly unreliable. So I agree with you, you know, that's why I wish, why the media stopped talking about how the number of cases in the United States surpassed China, how we are not doing a terrible job compared to China, because that number is, there's no reason to it's, when you compare apples to oranges. There's no reason to compare to that. As far as the unrest, that's very interesting also, because um, back in January, when one of the whistleblowers, the doctor Li Wenliang, one of the doctors who uh, tried to warn the public, about this virus very early on since uh, December 30th, he was recommended, and he caught the coronavirus and he passed away early on in January. When he passed away, there was a huge waves of anger among Chinese people because his passing reminded Chinese people that this is something the government could have controlled. You know, you had, you know, if the government listened to Dr. Lee's warning, his whistleblowing on December 30th, you know, there's a UK study showed if the Chinese government took uh, actions three weeks earlier, it would reduce the uh, spread of the coronavirus by 95 percent. Okay, yeah. we know the way the virus is spread; it's indiscriminately spread, you know, to everywhere. So this is the first national crisis. That all Chinese people are exposed to. So once when Dr. Lee died, many Chinese people were angry, and they feel like they can relate to him because he's just an ordinary person, just want to live a healthy, safe life. So there was overwhelming, uh, grief on Chinese social media, and really shocked the sense Chinese censors. And there's even a hashtag about people demanding for freedom of speech because they realized. Only freedom speech can protect them in this kind of environment. Now, as China, you know, as, as China announcing the peak of the pandemic has passed and people are gradually, people gradually going back to work. Now you see there's a divergent shift. So once there's not immediate life-threatening risk, then you see a divergent shift. Some Chinese people are waking up. And they, they are continuing to be angry. They continue to demand the government for change. You see citizen journalists uh, try to post the videos on Western social media to show what's really going on in China. You see the tycoon, uh, a real estate tycoon, wrote an open letter basically criticizing the Chinese government. He posted it on the Chinese social media. All of this show there is a group of Chinese people really waking up. They really want to use this uh, crisis to push for change. But on the other, other hand, you see another group show this uh, Stockholm syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. They be now with there's no immediate life threatening risk and they also bought into the conspiracy theory that the China tried to, you know, instill is this virus came from the United States, mm-hmm. you know, US Army and spread out of China. Actually, those, the conspiracy theory has been bought by some of the nationalists in China. Mm-hmm. So now they are viciously defending the government. Even, they even climb over the firewall on Twitter to defend the government, Chinese government and criticizing anyone, especially any ethnic Chinese that are criticizing China for its response. So you see a diverging of reactions within the population.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, I I wonder. Do you think which side do you think will end up coming out ahead in China? Do you think this will push the Chinese government to change, or do you think that the strong resistance to that, the strong loyalty to the Chinese government, do you think that will end up just strengthening their position in the long run?
2: That is difficult. That's difficult to to say because the Chinese government make speaking truths. Is a highly risky, risky action in China. Uh, like the citizen journalists that I mentioned, they all disappeared after a few days. Even the uh, property tycoon who wrote the open letter, he was he disappeared too. Or presume, you know, they all, we all know we know that they all be arrested, you know, in in a, a retain. So, so Chinese government makes sure speaking truth you paying a very high price. So I think which direction China will go after this crisis really depends on how the young people, the next generation is going to react. Because the next generation grow up, you know, since the, those people who were born after 1980s, they never experienced the famine like I did they never experienced real hardship, real iron fist from the Chinese government. So the China they grew up with was very prosperous, you know, relatively stable, and yes, there were incidents here and there, but none of this like really impact entire population. So this crisis is really the first thing, first crisis, these young people, you know, this, this post 80 generation, that first time they experienced that, uh, I think it's encouraging that the, several of the citizen journalists are very young. Like the mm-hmm. youngest one was only, he, he's, he's only 24. So he's, he's one of those generations. And so, so I think that is an encouraging sign. Um, but it's, it's, which direction China will go depends on how many young people will wake, will wake up like him and join a movement to demand, to recognize that, uh, hey, free speech and the free press is the only guarantee for our own safety. And health, so that we, we need to see that. And so far, we have not seen a, you know, nationwide movement yet. We see pockets of protests, that like you mentioned. We see pockets of protests everywhere, uh, somewhere. But we didn't see a nationwide movement. And um, for China's change, we need to see a nationwide movement. It has to be driven by the young people.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, now that's happening in China now. From the perspective of here, the United States, I I, I have seen also a certain uh, change in people's perspectives uh, towards the Chinese government, uh, mm-hmm. and so we're seeing people saying, you know, it's you know it's the fault of the um, of the Chinese Communist Party uh, in hiding this virus, and this is what has affected us, uh, and then mm-hmm. we saw that. The United States is completely dependent on China for uh, a lot of their um, antibiotics, for medicine, uh, for all this mm-hmm. equipment, and and people are starting to wake up. You know, we're mm-hmm. a little too dependent on other countries for our manufacturing of, of essential needs, uh, and now you add this element that that you write about the the corporate fraud. Uh, and so you start adding all these different elements and it seems like that will spell real trouble for china in the future because if they start losing manufacturing um we saw also japan saying Mm -hmm. that they're going to start pulling manufacturing out of china Uh, so that spells real trouble for china who depends on manufacturing products for the rest of the world Mm
2: -hmm. yes you know china really benefited from the globalization the last three decades and uh, I think one of the long lasting impact of this coronavirus is it's gonna kill globalization the way we, wonder, we understand it. Uh, you're right, you know, we already see the a great decoupling, you know, decoupling from China. Uh, Japan is paying, it's, uh, you know, industries business to move away from China. And uh, Larry could know, you know, President Trump's uh, National National Economic Advisors also kind of mentioned a similar ideas so on CNBC recently, and uh, you're right. This this uh, crisis really make us re- re- realize that how much we depend on China for base, you know, for crucial items such as medicines, and also for basic items such as masks, and guns, you know, mm-hmm. medical guns. You know, all those things we should we should be able to. We should be able to survive ourselves or at least from friendly allies, not with somebody's not with an entity or regime as so hostile. Because they are they are manufacturers or they are at least on Chinese social media that, that there are some Chinese nationalists that proclaim, you know, say, you know, let's make a fake product, you know, so we will totally ruin them, you know, it's just you know I mean, those obviously does not represent the mainstream ideas, but it does present a danger. Um, I am a little bit worried that um, all this backlash against uh, the Chinese, the communist regime. I, you know, I wrote another article on Federalist. I just want to make sure people hold the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, accountable, hold the Chinese government accountable, but do not punish all Chinese people because I also see signs here. You know about the discrimination. You know discrimination against you know Asian descent, especially you know, Chinese people. And that's not a that's not a, a the America I know. I personally have not experienced that, but I think it's important that we separate. You know when we condemn the regime, let's make the distinction. We're not punish the people because the Chinese people are at the forefront suffering from the lies, the, co- the cover ups, and you know the iron fist from from this regime. But one of the long-lasting consequences is that I believe this uh, virus will kill the globalization the way as we know it. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I I think that's probably true. And it makes me wonder, sort of looking at the broader policy question, if you think President Mm -hmm. Trump has handled uh, the the issues with China well, he's been, in terms of trade, a lot more hard on them than I think other American presidents have been. And I'm wondering if you think his policies have been correct or if there are things he needs to change in how he deals with China,
2: right? He's um, President Trump is very interesting. <laughs> um, in his, you know, when he, talk, I know he drives a lot of people crazy when he always praise or say, you know, make a compliment. Speaking very complimentary about the dictator, especially like China's President Xi, he always talks about Xi is his friend. Initially, that drives me crazy too, <laughs> you know, because I, I initially I just like everybody else. I'm like, I wish he would stop praising, uh, you know, a, a ruthless leader, you know, ruthless ru- leader of a, a ruthless regime. But if you separate his rhetoric from his policy, you're you're correct. His policies are actually a lot more hawkish towards China. He's actually, his policy is something a new come, would would dreamed of, you know, to happen, but it never happened before until he came along. So so nowadays, I recognize that the, the more he praising President Xi while he's continuing with the hawkish policy, the more he's driving the Chinese crazy because, because they do not take those compliment on face values anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of policies, I think he did a number of things right. Um, Let's say if, you know for the coronavirus response, you know he he banned the travel from China much early on, and he took a lot of grief from WHO from China. You know Chinese government called him racist by you know by by doing that, and it turned out it was the right decision. You know we maybe we should have done it much much sooner, and but but he, there are other ar- areas you know he could have responded sooner like like make sure you're sourcing uh, uh, medical equipments much early on, you know, before the viruses peak in the United States. So there are a number of things he could have done uh, sooner that he hasn't. But I don't hold him personally responsible for all this because we know we have a bureaucracy. You know, he inherited it. So it's very difficult to get a bureaucracy to move. And of course, it makes messaging about, should you wear a mask, should you not wear a mask? It's very confusing. Does not build the confidence, you know, in the population. So in terms of the trade policies, I think that uh, he, um, I, I, I support free trade. But I do think that, uh, like I said, China's been the biggest beneficiary of the globalization of the free trade uh, framework that the United States led and set for the last 50 years. And, but that, that free trade, it benefited the United States too, but it, doesn't benefited, it, it hasn't benefited the United States as much as it has benefited China. And the, uh, the communist China definitely took advantage of the rule-based system, even though they don't follow it. But they take advantage of the rule-based system to expand their economic power. So there's something that needs to be changed over there. I, I do not think an increased tariff is the most effective way because as you know as we learned from Economic One, that when you increase tariff on imports, it's the consumers in your own countries end up paying a higher, higher price. So I do not think that's a necessary a good approach. Um, but based on my, my analysis is that um, basically the first the phase one trade agreement President Trump was able to reach with Beijing. Um, he extract a lot more concessions mm-hmm. than ordinary Americans recognize. so China is not only agreed to buy a lot more American products. But also China's, you know, at least on paper, the promise to have more enforcement about intellectual property you know, protection, that's something really meaningful for us because we are a service-based economy. So intellectual property theft is another way for us to lose. We have lots of tons of money, billions, hundreds of billions in the last couple of decades. So so if China can enforce that, that would be a good benefits for the fellow Americans. And also China is willing to open a few more industry sectors that they have long closed, you know, from you know American investors such as the insurance industry, the other financial services, the credit cards and the investment banking. So all these are strong sectors for the United States. So mm-hmm. I do think that you know maybe his approach is not perfect, but at least the, the agreement he reached is actually if it can be enforced. It will result great benefits to the United States, but of course, you know, with the virus, everything's off the bat now. So, so we don't know when we're gonna get back to track on that.
0: Now, uh, with uh, about a minute left, um, this question is more of like the Chinese government's uh, response initially, Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, there's a lot of theories out there of why they took the 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 actions that they did to basically. Hide what was happening in China, um, and do you think the the reason that the Chinese government lied in the beginning was because they were trying to save face and say and show you know how powerful and and on, and you know it's kind of the honor thing, or because I've also heard that uh, for example in, in that Phase One trade agreement that you mentioned, there's a clause that says that the Chinese government can get out of the of the agreement uh in case of a pandemic um and so and so things like that make you wonder like maybe they were hiding it because they wanted things to get bad or is that a little uh too unfair to say that they were trying to do that uh is it more just say trying to save face uh what, what do you think on that
2: I think it's probably a little bit too unfair to say they try to get out a trade agreement. Keep in mind that the, they had to take a draconian, very draconian measures to lock down their economy for two months. That's, you know, for, for Chinese leaders, that's that's really unthinkable because they get measured by their economic performance. And with a large population, the only way they can keep Chinese people, you know, from starting a riot is to have a growing economy, provide everybody with jobs to keep the economy going. So I don't think that they they did that to they the cover up and lies were, you know, were for were trying to get out of the trade agreement. Um, but they did a lie and they they did a cover up. I think it's more related to the system. It's a dictatorship, and the dictatorship produced liars. And it's not just the central government. You know, it's starting from the local government. And in China, it's historically. Bad news. The any information about the bad news, there's always full of lies and inaccurate data, because local officials doesn't want, do not want to take responsibilities, and they also have no authorities to make any decisions. So everything has to serve up to Beijing, and so nobody wants to be the one to report bad news, right? So, okay. so it's these layers of lying going back to central government. So, and then the central government it partially is about a saving face, partially about be showing. It has everything under control, want to suppress bad news until they know more about it. But of course, eventually when they recognize this is something they just can't cover it up, then they choose to take very draconian measures, you know, to, to contain it.
0: Well, Helen Riley, thank you so much for being part of Citizen Talk. Yes.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: And you've been listening to Citizen Talk, the show that's restoring Putin's to politics. I'm Juan Davalos.
1: And I'm Lynette Grundvig, and this is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. And you can also hear us on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just search One Word Citizen Talk. See you after the break.